Awesome. So uh, last week, Brad broke down what it means to be tempted. And uh, what I got from that, if you'll remember uh, with me, is that it means that we're being lied to. And uh, to start fighting temptation, uh, we have to recognize the lies first. And we have to understand how we're being lied to. Um, because once you recognize something is a lie, uh, you're far less, I mean, you can avoid it, uh, and you're far less likely to uh, give into it. Uh, now, if that's all there was to beating temptation, that'd be awesome, right? Um, it sounds super easy, and we hear things like this, and we say, oh, of course I know that. Of course I have to understand that temptations are lies, and that uh, if I don't give in to them, my life's going to be awesome. But the truth is, um, if it were that easy, everybody would do it. If it was as simple as just understanding, hey, it's wrong, don't do it, and we did not do it, everything would be fine. But we do struggle with it. Each and every one of us struggles in temptation, with temptation in different ways. Um, sometimes we know it's wrong, cheat on a test, or do that thing that's tempting. I said cheat on a test because I was in the video. But do that thing that's tempting you. In fact, there's, there's all kinds of, I got a video for you guys. I'm super excited. It's hilarious. But there's, uh, there's all kinds of like psychological tests and uh, studies out there that show like just how hard it is to avoid temptation. So we're going to go ahead and play that video. Right, Here's the deal. You're going to help me with a little experiment, okay? Kay. Okay. This is a heart cookie. It's your cookie. You can eat it now if you want, but leave for a little bit. When I come back, if you haven't eaten it, I'll give you another cookie. But if you, if you do eat it, that's all you get. Okay? Okay, your choice.
Play it off like I don't. I don't even like cookies, you know. Like they're just not my thing. Even though I was about to eat this one. Um, a lot of times we feel like the kids in the videos. Will you guys turn to James one with me, please? Um, all of us have some sort of cookie in our lives. Uh, like it could be like how you treat somebody, or actual food, or that thing you look up on the internet, or the language that you use or your phone, we all have got some sort of cookie in our lives or temptation in our lives that's being dangled in front of us. Whatever that may be, what do you think that God wants us to do with this thing? What do you think God thinks of this thing in our lives? Maybe you don't know, because there are sometimes I don't even know what God would think about this thing. I'm like, is this good? Is this bad? What should I do with this? Um, think about this, though. If there's a God that wants you to have the best life possible, the best health or the best self-image, what do you think he would think about the thing that tempts you? What do you think he wants you to do with it? Does this word come to anybody's mind? Stop? Because I thought of that word. Uh, it sounds easy and like a good plan. And again, we're in this situation to where if it was that easy, we would just do it. We would just stop. God wants us to avoid temptations that can hurt others. We've heard that before. How many times have you tried to stop? Tried and failed? Not tried at all? How many times have you tried? So what do we do? Do we try harder? How do we deal with these temptations? So last week, we looked at a passage from James that gave us uh, the first tool in uh, how to fight temptation and like how to avoid it and how to recognize our temptations. But this week we're going to be looking to see what else James has for us in this. So if you're in James 1, uh, it's verse 13 and 13 through like 10, but we're just going to go 13, 14 for now. Um, it says, when tempted, should be on the screen, there it is. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted evil, nor does he tempt anyone but each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is tempted, whoops, my bad, he is dragged away and enticed. Okay, so remember, this is where we discover that we're being baited. Like the temptations are being like held in front of us, fishing lure. Remember Brad had the fishing lure pictures up on the screen? Uh, they're being dangled in front of us. That's what this is saying. Um, did anybody else think of like SpongeBob when he was talking about the fishing lures? Have you seen that episode where they like, Sit, Mr. Krabs tells them not to sit on the hooks, and they go flying up in the air, and then they jump off, and like it's fun. No, all right, just me. Thanks, buddy. Um, that's what I thought of. Anyways, so James tells us this, but he doesn't stop there. He continues on in James, and uh, he tells us why he wants us to stop. So uh, verse 15 says, "Then, after desire has conceived, whoops, 
After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full, gives birth to death. Okay, this may seem like a weird way to explain it, but uh, let me tell you what this means. Okay, so have you ever seen like a kitten, and you just want it? Like cute and cuddly and soft, and you're like, I just want to take this kitten home and keep it. Um, looks like a great plan. It's super cute and cuddly. But uh, here's the thing. Kittens don't stay kittens forever. Uh, I'm into cats, and cats are awful. <laughs> I don't like cats. Um, they grow into cats, and uh, pretty soon you have uh, this thing that is, uh, you need to get a litter box, and it smells bad, and even though you have a litter box, it's still pooping everywhere but the litter box. And uh, it's tearing up your furniture, and uh, it's a bad deal. Kittens are great, but if you could see a kitten, a cat that needs a litter box and tears up your furniture, you wouldn't want a kitten anymore. All you see is this kitten that's soft and cuddly. It's the same thing with temptation. We see this temptation and we see, hey, I want the benefits of it now, and it may make me feel good now. But if you could see what temptation can grow into and you think about it for a second, you might not want that temptation anymore because it's James tells us that sin will become full-grown. Sin always, always, every time, grows up, and it grows into something. If you let it, sin will continue growing in your life until it's ruining it. It starts affecting your grades, and sin will start affecting your family. Sin will start affecting your relationships and your friendships. Everything that you let it take over, it will. James tells us, that sins continue to grow and grow until they eventually lead to death. What? Death? Somebody say, what? What? Nice. Okay, that was weak, but whatever. Um, I know what you're thinking. Death is kind of a crazy and uh, blunt way to put that. Um, and you're thinking, wait, I've lied to my parents before, or I've done something bad, and I'm still alive to tell about it, so I must be invincible. But that's not the thing. The word death here is, uh, this is a Greek word, uh, thanatos. Um, the Greek word actually translates uh, close to misery, which I thought was super cool. Um, so misery is, what is misery, you guys? Like, what is misery? Okay, so there's this one time, this is story time about Tyler. There was this one time, I was like 16 and just got my first car and I thought I was a hot shot. I'm like, this is sweet. And uh, my mom told me, this was like my first time I could go like hang out with my friends, like other than, it was like nighttime, you know, I got to drive at night. Um, she told me to be home at like 11 o'clock, okay, that's pretty decent curfew for a 16 year old. And uh, I remember rolling in the parking lot at 10.50, and I was like, okay, I'm in charge of my life, I'm feeling rebellious, like I want to show that I'm in charge. So I sat in my car in the drive for 15 minutes. That way I could walk in the door at 11.05 and be like, that's right, I'm in charge. Yeah, that's, that's what my mom said, too. It was a bad deal. Um, <laughs> she did not appreciate that at all. And uh, I remember it blowing up in this huge argument, and I got grounded for like two months from my car. It was a bad deal. And then I, uh, I get up to my room, and I'm sitting on my bed going, I just got grounded from my car for two months because I felt like I needed five minutes late. Like, how dumb is that? But... 
Anyways, I was feeling misery at that moment when I was sitting on my bed going, wow, that was a dumb decision. What was I thinking? That's what misery, that's a good example of misery. It's something that we can all relate to. Sometimes misery hits us uh, when we first give in to the temptation or uh, maybe a week or a day or like a year later, uh, misery will hit us, sometimes way years down the road. Way years? That's a thing now. Um, later on down the road, uh, sometimes you experience misery when you're even just thinking about it. If a, th- a bad thought comes through your mind about a temptation, maybe you experience misery then. Um, James tells us that sin always matures into misery. Okay? And we tell ourselves things like, how could you? And uh, things like, what if somebody knew? Or you should have known better? Or you're never going to get better? These are lies that you tell yourself. And all of a sudden, the lie that you believed and the temptation that you gave into into more lies. The temptation grows bigger and stronger. Lies turn into lies. James gives us more reason to take temptation and sin more seriously as we go on. We didn't finish reading yet. It's not over. Uh, Because it's always a bigger deal than we think it is. Temptation is always, always a bigger deal than we think it is. All right, so James, this is uh, 16 through 17. Um, we're gonna Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All right, so what is this saying, y'all? What is this saying? This is saying, this is how I interpreted this. It said, don't believe the lie that your temptation is the only good thing that you can have. Because that's not true at all. Because God has so much, so much more for you guys. And I was in high school, like, not that long ago. I'm not that old yet. Like, I was just in your guys' shoes. And my heart breaks for the, like, temptations that you guys deal with. And the struggles that go through. Because they suck sometimes. Temptation is all around you guys in high school. But I promise you that God has got so much more for you than those temptations. And God has got so much, so much better things to offer. Here's what James is saying. God's offering you better ways to live. Bottom line. God promises you that truth will grow faster than sin and truth always turns into joy. Like we were saying, sin turns into misery and it grows if you let it. But the good news is if the sin is in your life, God promises you that truth will grow faster than joy, and it always turns in faster than sin, and it always turns into joy. So if you're going to catch something tonight, if you're only writing down, if you're writing down stuff, be sure you write this down. If you're only listening to one sentence I have to say tonight, listen to this. Um, winning isn't just about avoiding temptation. Winning is not just about saying, I'm going to try and avoid everything that's bad ever, which is a good first step, but it's about embracing something so much greater. It's about embracing something new. What does God care about more? Not giving in to sin or the person that he loves living a great life? Because I think it's living a great life. God does not sit on his throne uh, waiting for us to like mess up. That way he can punish us. 
the whole misery death thing I was talking about. God doesn't sit up there waiting to mess up before he can punish us. It's not how he rolls. God cares about so much more. He cares about you living a great life. So how do we live great lives? I got some stuff. Uh, you could serve others, serve somebody, serve your parents, ask what you can do around the house, clean something for them. I don't even know. Write a letter. Write an encouraging letter to somebody. Guys, hands go so much further than you think they do. Spend time with others. Maybe sit by that kid uh, that smells funny at lunch. Take 30 minutes out of your day. Spend time with him. Spend time with God. Guys, I put this one last because this is one of the most important. If you allow God to be the center of you wanting to embrace something greater, there's no way it's not going to work. So three Sundays ago, uh, with all of these, three Sundays ago, we listened in like big church. We had uh, a speaker, like a video speaker, Andy Stanley. Some of you guys have probably heard of him. But he was talking about like politics and like the difference between politics and religion and how we can in- interpret religion into the Constitution. It was crazy. But uh, he said something in the end that really hit me hard. And he said, imagine a day everybody walked around and said, how can I help you? And said, imagine a day everybody lived with a servant's heart. And everybody said, what can I do for you? Like, picture that in your mind right now. Like, what would a day look like if every single person in the world would do that? Imagine a day that you did that in your life. What would change? Who would you treat different? How much better would your day be? I encourage you guys all to do this for a day. Just try it out. Because I promise you that you will see change in you and your relationship with God, most importantly. Embrace something better. Part of embracing something better is asking and letting God be a part of it. Like I said before, uh, when something involves God, it's so much stronger. And uh, say this, it makes me think of uh, a story. I think it was David. I'm pretty sure. I didn't, this wasn't in my notes. But pretty sure it's the story of David. And he gets up in the morning and there's like a three-day battle, okay? He gets up in the morning, and he, uh, he said, okay, God, I'm on my knees. Uh, what do I do? And God tells him what to do. And he goes and does it, and he wins the first day battle. That's the first day. He wins the battle. Second day, wakes up in the morning, gets on his knees. God, what do I do? God tells him to do the same thing. And he goes and he wins the battle. The third day, David wakes up. He he does not get on his knees. He says, oh, well, God told me to do this the first time. I'll just go do it again. You know, I'll probably win. And he loses the battle. Moral of the story, when you ask God to be a part of things, it's going to be stronger. Second moral of the story, you need for it to work. God cares more about what you embrace than what you avoid. Embrace something better with God and let God be a part of it. So we are almost out of time. We're going to dismiss the small groups after I get done praying. And uh, so, yeah, will you guys, if you don't know what small group you're in, um, come up to me or Brad and uh, we'll let you guys know where you're going. And, uh, yeah, will you guys pray with me? Um, God, you're awesome. 
And uh, I thank you uh, for this awesome message of uh, God encouraging us to b- embrace something more because that's super important. And uh, God, as we go to small groups, I pray that the conversations are just intentional, God, and that uh, you let students know it's a safe place to be themselves. And um, God, I pray that throughout this next week we can go closer and closer to you every day and that everything we do just brings glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.